the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, episode 159. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now on to the show. Hey, friend. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever day it is, whatever time it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's all blurring into the same, right? (laughs) A little bit, a little bit, yeah. How are things yeah. going over in your world, in your, I know your ma- mask I mean, making world too right now? They are fine. They are as well as they could be, I guess, you know, it's yeah. just, it's all different. Everything is different, but it's, um, but we're all healthy and fine, you know, and we're fine. I mean, right. I don't, I don't know. I, um, you know, I come from the thought of you know, if, if it's, if I say it's hard, it's going to be hard. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, um, so I'm just not, I'm not saying that it's hard. (laughs) Yeah. My sink is never empty of dishes ever, (laughs) ever. Right. Um, you know, it's hard to get a little privacy. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, yeah, there's, but we're, but we're healthy and, um, and, and not, you know, I'm over the fear now. I had a lot of fear, you know, at the beginning of this pandemic, but I don't anymore. Uh, so I just hope that, um, yeah, I just want to continue. I don't know. I was going to say weather it. That just sounds like it's tolerating something that shouldn't be. And it, and it is what it is as that awful mm-hmm. phrase goes. Um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to, I don't know, not necessarily embrace it, but just live into it. Yeah, it's that concept for me that I think only really became illuminated to me at the end of last year um, uh, with my personal relationships but with my husband. But it was like, I'm just accepting what is. Yeah. Like, this is what is. This is it. There's no, <laughs> you know. About it. Right, right. Wishing that it was different. That's Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been really, um, 
you know, I have the luxury of time right now, right? And there's not a lot of things on the calendar and there's not a lot of to-dos or things. So I've been really um, indulging myself with the first three hours of the day doing my routines, my rituals, my prayers, meditation, endless, you know, decaf and tea and breakfast and slowly just doing, you know, doing um, rituals and routines that make me feel good. And um, I don't know, it feels nice to have that time and to not be rushed. Um, it does feel decadent and it does feel like a lot of time, but it's just what it's turned out. I've recognized as like, oh, three hours to start my day. That's about right. <laughs> kind of what I need in order to, you know, kind of kickstart things. And I've been pushing a lot of my Zoom um, calls with friends, with my sponsor, with my sponsees until late afternoon mm-hmm. because I was loading everything up in the morning, Sandra. And then by two, I'd been loaded since I got up at six and then I was toast. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do this whole three hour thing. And then I'm going to work and then I might take lunch and a nap. And then I'm going to call and connect with people later. Yeah. So making that shift has helped my energy. And I learned that from Amanda Grace from when she was doing her higher ground class that I got to sit in on, in terms of scheduling time, scheduling energy blocks. And that's really helped um, Mm -hmm. my energy for the day, paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Do your more, most important things first. Everything else will happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I miss some things like I miss acupuncture and I miss bookstores and thrift stores and I miss, um, I don't know, like I need, I feel like I need a massage, you know, like, there's mm-hmm. like I miss yeah. those kind of things right now. And it's just, I, I just think how wonderful they're going to be, how, how gracious I'm going to feel yeah. when we get to have those things again, experience that, those things again. I got the sweetest message from my friend, Natalie. Natalie's been on the show before, Natalie Fairbrook. And she sent me a message um, late last week and it said, Tammy, and I think she'd be okay if I share this, if I'm sharing it. Um, she was like, Tammy, if I would have known that that was the last time I was going to see you when I saw you, I would have given you a much bigger hug. Oh, and it just made me want to cry because I was right. like, I miss her so much. <laughs> you know, that girl can make me laugh harder. Oh my gosh. It's just been, you know, to, to, to have Zoom. So I can do FaceTime with her now or Zoom calls or, you know, texting, of course. But being with her in person, her energy and just her kind of um, verb, it's just, uh, I miss it. And so I, it's making me think about like, who did I say goodbye to last? And did I give a hug or did... You know, I think those things I'm going to have to examine when we all kind of come out of this and, and who knows when that will be. But um, I wanted to also say, like, we had a really awesome call with our community on Sunday. Yeah, we did. And you read a really beautiful piece called uh, An Easter Benediction. Mm-hmm. And Sandra, I had to read that several, several times. Aww. So beautiful. Thank you. And for those who couldn't be, Sandra and I are doing weekly called Get Get Unruffled. We're doing a little call every Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific and 11 Mm -hmm. Central. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a little sharing session, little meeting kind of. There's no huge agenda or anything, just listening to our women, our people speak. Yeah. And you did that, read that at the top of the hour. And that's in our Facebook group. If you guys want to read it, you can search for an Easter benediction. And um, I highly recommend it. 
Thank you. Well, and the link, the Zoom call link is also oh, yeah. in our Facebook group. So yeah, if you, yeah, you want to get in on that and you aren't in our secret Facebook group, just yeah. uh, send a message, friend us on Facebook, either myself or Tammy and um, we'll send a message that you want to be added. Yeah. Um, under events is where you'll find all, I set up the meetings to go on until we decide to stop. So there's a weekly meeting link um, under events has the password for the zoom meeting is unruffled. So uh, you guys can, uh, can check that out. All right. Should we get to it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so today on the show, uh, we have a fr uh, my friend Molly Dunham. Molly is a full-time mom and part-time collage artist, writer, weightlifter, hiker, community builder, book consumer, daydream believer. She lives with her family in the foothills of Northern California. And how can people find her? Somewhere? Yeah, so you can find her on Instagram at Molly D. Dunham, and it's D-U-N-H-A-M. Yeah, and we hope you guys enjoy her. Yeah, y'all enjoy Molly. Hey, Molly, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Where in the world are you so that our listeners know? Sure. I'm in um, Northern California, kind of just halfway between San Francisco and Lake Tahoe. Uh, you're not too far from me, but we, we still can't, we've only rendezvoused once. Is that right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, I I've driven was, through your town many times. That's right. I think we, I was stalking you on social media. I'm like, are you near me? Like, should we like have coffee? Absolutely. <laughs> which is uh she's probably like i'm on vacation back off lady no that's part of my that's part of my ideal vacation is meeting meeting people so it was great yeah and i got to meet your sister-in-law too which was awesome yes um but i wanted to tell the listeners a little bit um about how i came to know you molly which is interesting to me it was kind of been this long meandering story that you didn't quite even know um or that you didn't know but when I sold my business, uh, I owned a wine bar and I sold it back in 2008. And you can correct me on the dates because it's going to be a little blurry for me because I was, you know, drinking like a fish back then, Molly. But okay. you had a blog uh, called yes. a Foothill Home Companion. Mm -hmm. And I would religiously read it. You didn't, I don't think you posted on a regular schedule, but you posted. And I would get up. My morning routine was to be hungover until around six in the morning, like be awake and hungover. And then I'd go back to sleep for an hour. But in those early morning hours, I would write for my own blog and I would read certain women. And one of them was Nikki Holt Klein of Dig This Chick. And then the other one was Amanda Soul from mm -hmm. Soul. What was it called? Was her blog called Amanda Soul or was it Soul Mama? Yeah. Soul Mama. Soul Mama. yeah. Oh, I remember that blog. Yep. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. I would read Molly's. And I would look for them because I didn't quite know how to get them if they were new. I didn't, didn't understand blogging at all. But it, the impetus was, was for me to start a blog in 2008 as well. And you were one of my influences. Wow. And I didn't homeschool and I didn't have a farm and I didn't have a house that I was renovating. But the way you captured your family life, I wanted. Like I wanted what you had. I, I saw like really this beautiful eye that you had for life. And because I was so wow, I didn't, of course I'm going to cry. <laughs> I didn't realize how unhappy I was. And I know that we can just read certain things online and it can look a certain way. And I know there's always more to the story, but at the time it was like a lifeline. And you stopped writing that in 2013, I believe. 
sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. And you started writing for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I just, um, I just really wanted to say thank you. And I really appreciate it. I know you didn't write that one for long either, right? Till about 2014, but I saw the shift in you that was happening. And I don't know if there's more behind that and maybe we can get into that, but yeah, definitely. So I, that's how I came to know you. And then I s somehow found you on social media. We found each other through Instagram. Uh, yeah. And I think that was through um, our mutual friend, Rebecca. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. That's cool. Yes. So when I stopped drinking and um, of course, you know, put it on social media, <laughs> um, right. she's like, oh, you have got to join the Unruffled group. And she told me about this private Facebook group and about, you know, she's like, friend, these two people get into the group and. Um, oh, and so that's how, I think that's how we reconnected then. Oh, how funny. We can thank Rebecca for that. Hi, Rebecca. Yes. Hi, Rebecca. <laughs> thank you. Uh, okay. And then when I saw your name, I was like, I know her. And then when I would read your writing, I was like, I, yep, this has got to be the same Molly. Wow. This has got to be the so same So interesting. One. Yeah. Okay. So that's how it started. But I, well, how we normally start the pod is to tell like how you came to the decision to quit drinking. Maybe this okay. will play, play into it. Maybe we can talk about it later, but I just wanted to say thank you because that was during a really dark time. And for whatever reason, I would grab onto women, um, you know, that had a little bit of what I wanted. And that's what I hear in the rooms, like find somebody that has what you want and, um, right. And just kind of hang on tight. So how Absolutely. did you come to the decision to quit drinking? Um, so I'm, I think that, I think it was 2018. So September, uh, September 2nd was the first day I didn't drink. And I, like we've discussed, um, I don't consider myself necessarily in recovery. I just decided to stop drinking. Um, I would say my, my drinking habit was kind of like my coffee habit. I just, you know, around five o'clock in the evening, it was like, okay, I'm making dinner. It's time for a beer. And it would only usually be one beer, maybe two, but um, I was I was not necessarily happy with that habit. Um, I had tried to cut it out before just for you know, like diet purposes. Well, maybe um, maybe this is a thing stopping me from having my ideal body or whatever was that fear. And of course, it never was. <laughs> um, but I had you know, been able to go for a couple of weeks and then, and then there'd be some social event and, and I'd have, I'd have a drink again. And, um, but it, yeah. Alcohol had become an issue in my household. So without going too far into other people's stories, um, it was just, uh, it was a habitual thing to drink and, and it just wasn't working out within my family for the type of life I wanted for our family. We would, we would end up having what I call just bad weekends. And it was, it was because of beer, essentially, uh, the wrong amount of it. And so I decided because I couldn't control anybody else's um, relationship with alcohol, I could control my own. And that's when I just decided to stop, like no more, it's not helping me, it's not leading me towards the, the life that I want or the relationship that I wanna be in. And so I can stop and, and that's, that's what I did. 
That's fantastic. I mean, you're right. I mean, these are the tenants that I've learned through just doing my recovery work is that I can't control anybody else. Right. <laughs> I can barely control myself. <laughs> right? <laughs> mm, but yeah. But yeah, to, to know enough to know that that wasn't um, in your purview, right? That only you could control what you were going to do. So then you got right. to be, a, a, um, you were modeling a solution in a way. Absolutely. Um, I yeah. think um, it was it was part of just bringing awareness to a situation that um, that maybe I had been ignoring for for a while, for a long time. To be honest, just right. not not being able to name what the problem actually was, and so looking for all these other um, I don't know side streets <laughs> into into a solution, how to get there rather than just taking like the main road. And the main road was, you know, if alcohol is the problem, um, getting rid of it's the solution. Now, did that disruption, because you're basically disrupting the way you always had done something, you know, every afternoon mm-hmm. having a beer, did that cause some waves then in your household? Um, a little bit. I'm trying to think back on like what, what it actually felt like when that happened. Um, and I don't, I don't remember waves so much, but I, I will tell you something crazy that happened. It, it was almost about 40 days into my sobriety, which 40, you know, just seems kind of a magical number on, on a journey, 40 days. Mm-hmm. And, and it was a weekend and my, my husband came in to the kitchen and he's like, okay, I think I hear you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and I'm ready to make a change. Um, so I feel really, I feel really, really lucky that it worked that way because it could have gone, it could have gone so many different ways. Um, yeah. And and that was kind of a, a pivotal moment in in our life and our relationship. Um, and he he stopped drinking and and has been on his own journey with alcohol since then. Um, but. I was, I've been thinking about, you know, just leading up to this interview, knowing it was coming, the really interesting thing, because we're talking about the intersection of creativity and sobriety, mm-hmm. um, is that my husband was a home brewer and, and had been brewing his own beer since before I met him. So, you know, for like 20 plus years, he was like, his creative outlet was home brewing. And so it was a really big pivot for for him and for us, because it had always just been part of our life together, um, that he gave that he gave up that thing that he did. Mm. Um, so, and that's something you know we've been discussing lately. Like, basically, it was the loss of his creative outlet. Sure, part of his identity and everything. I mean, we all have an identity shift. I think when we quit drinking, but. That, yeah, you're right. That bleeds into his creative outlet too. How, how powerful though, that your example, I mean, that's very, um, it's very wise of you. That's what I think I have to say about that. Like that you, that that was the avenue you chose and that by being an example, uh, and not, um, I'm imagining not a martyr about it. Um, but just saying not. like this, this is the path I'm going to do. Cause this seems like the most powerful thing I can do. It's the only thing I can really have control over and to, right. be, and to be an acceptance of that. And then watching that it actually worked. 
Yeah, it was pretty amazing. It, it, it did feel miraculous. Um, no doubt about that. And it was also, as you know, like when you first stop drinking, there's so much excitement <laughs> around, around the process. Like I just felt like, oh my gosh, I, I kind of woke up in this really big way and started, you know, when I started talking, almost immediately, I think I started talking about stopping drinking on my social media. And I don't really remember what that motivation was, except for I would see other people. I had no idea there was this whole network of um, sober Instagram feeds at, the, at that time. But once I started talking about, you know, the giving up alcohol, people would start sending me links. They're like, oh, you, you know, you need to look at this, this account or, um, oh, I would get uh, stories from other women like, oh, me too. Here's my story. And I'm like, oh my goodness, there's this whole other kind of universe mm-hmm. that it opened me up to that was, that just seemed really amazing. So you embraced that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm all about opening up my world. <laughs> well, you're a writer. So all, I mean, so stories, I imagine, um, are intriguing to you as well, right? In the human condition. and Absolutely. Especially the stuff that, um, that doesn't get talked about, you know, especially the stuff under the surface that um, if you find a way into, you know, that secret interior life of people, that's, that to me is super exciting. So, so Molly, so you didn't, you're not on a recovery path, yet you were recovering parts of your home life and recovering relationships and, and a little bit, or, or like our last guest said last week, discovering, uncovering rather than right. recovering, right? It was like, we're uncovering more stuff. We're discovering a new way to be. I love those words because it felt um, a bigger, kind of like a, a bigger opening for people um, that decide to quit drinking. So, so you didn't need any kind of... Um, groups or things to belong to necessarily to do this you just knew in your heart like this is the path and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna walk this way yeah I'm I mean one of my my, one of my traits I would say is I'm super stubborn so um (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I make a decision and like I just kind of like dive all the way in so I mean fortunately for me giving up alcohol was not the first you know kind of big thing I've given up, um, on my, on my journey, a lot of like my own self-healing around my my body and food relationship, trauma, all these things. Um, it was, it was, I was kind of already primed to give things up Mm -hmm. because I had, I had tried all these different, uh, let's just maybe call them magic diets in the past. Like, okay, I'm going to be gluten-free now, or I'm going to be vegetarian now, or I'm, I'm giving up, uh, carbs and I'm paleo or I've tried in the past, like all of these things. Um, so I had like a pattern of, of problem solving where I, I could go, okay, we're going to, we're going to try this. We're going to give this thing up and, and see what happens. Yeah. And you're very um, self-propelled, it seems, you know, and, and multi-passionate in a lot of ways from reading your work over the years. And I mean, homeschooling your children, did you have you, did you do that all the way to high school or are you still doing that? Or what, what does that look like for yeah. you? So I start, you know, both of my kids went to kindergarten because um, I, I had this belief that I could not teach my kids how to read. <laughs> um, partially because it just involves so much repetition, like to sit and, you know, repeat uh, vowel sounds, you know, or, um, or sight words to repeat those over and over. I was like, oh, I cannot do that. That's too monotonous. 
So they're going to learn to read and then, and then they'll come home. So it wasn't necessarily the plan. My daughter, my firstborn, I had, you know, deliberated over where to send her to school and uh, finally found a solution that worked for us. It was a great little school. Kindergarten was great, magical. First grade was, was not. First grade was like the opposite. It was, it was kind of a nightmare for both of us. Um, I think her teacher was ready to retire and, and kind of done. So about halfway through the first grade, um, I actually checked out some books about homeschooling from the library uh, over, over Christmas break. And I started reading them and I thought, okay, that's it. We're going to, we're going to try this. I'm not going to send her back to school when, um, when the break winter break is over. So we started homeschooling then my son, he's a couple years younger. So he was, you know, preschool age, just kind of a tag along kid at that point. Um, so we homeschooled until she was in third grade and my son was ready for kindergarten and, and they both wanted to go to go to normal school. So we went ahead and did that. Um, my daughter lasted for about a half a year and it was kind of like the same. It was a repeat of first grade in a lot of ways. So she came, she came home. My son finished out kindergarten, uh, learned how to read. And then, and then they both were homeschooled. Um, my son was homeschooled until it was time for middle school. And then my daughter homeschooled through high school. Oh, okay. How old are your children now? They are, my daughter's 19 and my son is 17. Wow. Yeah. So my daughter is, she's going to the local community college and right now, of course, everything looks like homeschooling. So she's at home doing, (laughs) she's doing all of her classes online, which is not her favorite thing. She'd much rather be in a classroom, Um, but she's, you know, she's making do. And then my son is a junior in high school. He's probably homeschooling virtually right he's, now as well. Yes, he's homeschooling too. And um, I think we were so prepared for this in, in ways I couldn't have, have fathomed. But um, they both learned so, so much kind of self-direction and um, self-discipline with getting their work done. They have I think, pretty good study habits from, from homeschool, which, which is more like, I just want to play. So I'll either do my work as fast as I can so I can go out and play or or I'll cram at the last minute um, and get it done. Like these are kind of our homeschooling traits that, that are serving them quite well right now. Yeah. I'm not sure my kids have those skills actually <laughs> finding out, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I'm letting them go and, and, and just hoping for the best. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I just so firmly believe this is after my, my years of experience with, with homeschooling and many different methods that we tried over the years. Um, I just think the kids are going to be all right. Like, I think all of them are going to yeah, be all right. That, that I believe in a hundred percent. I'm, you know, I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, yeah. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They're going to pass their they're going to continue on to the next grade. And I'm not, I'm actually not worried about it at all. My daughter does miss her socialization though. So mm-hmm. oh, I bet that's what she we're does. dealing with she's... right now. Yeah. She's yeah. a social kid, Ugh, but yeah. we'll make it. <laughs> yes. Um, so Molly, I wanted to ask you, so for these last few years, you're not drinking. Um, creativity has always been part of your life, it seems. Um, can you, I mean, I, I don't presume to know everything about you, but to ask you, um, you know, how does that work? For you? Is it kind of just like you're seeing what you're curious about and you, one thing leads to the next? 
because what you're doing right now, of course, I'm in love with, with your collaging. But I know that it's not just that you've been collaging, right? It seems like things keep morphing for you and they morph into the next thing and the next thing. And writing is, is you seem like such a great writer. How, how can, let's just start with your, what you're doing right now. And then we can kind of work backwards or you can help. Sure, me sure. However you feel like it's more um, useful. Yes. Well, I will tell you um, when, when we met this summer, um, I met you like a really pivotal time for me, like creatively speaking, because I've always, I've always dabbled, let's say in, in art and making. Um, but over the summer, especially I met you at the end of um, what felt like kind of a mini retreat. I went away with my sister-in-law and my daughter and we stayed in a house in Sea Ranch for a couple of days, which, which is a really magical place to me. Um, it's just a place of, uh, I think profound beauty and also intention. Mm -hmm. And so while we were there, my sister-in-law and I um, spent like every afternoon, either, I think I was really getting into the blackout poetry at that point. So I was doing some collage and I'm getting into the blackout poetry and we went and you know got a couple of, of books and tore them apart and we're making. And when I, when we had lunch, Tammy, you had mentioned the, um, that the inner uh, what's that the intersection of should and must oh yeah by el luna the crossroads yes. of should and must. the crossroads that's it um and so we listened to that talk on the way home after after we talked oh, to you at lunch and then you know i plugged in the phone and found found one of her i think it was her google talk on on that matter and i thought huh you know i've missed the 100 day project but really you can do a 100 day project whenever <laughs> whenever you want to yeah. um so i started one right right there and then like i'm gonna do 100 days of blackout poetry um and then at the same time, a friend of mine who's a collage artist, uh, she works at a local library and she had invited me to, they were doing a collage club every Saturday afternoon. It was a program through the library. And so they would provide all of the supplies, you know, all these discarded library books and magazines and you know, set up a couple tables. And the library is actually um, at a remote location that's a high, a high school. And so during the week, the, the high school uses as a library, and then on the weekends, it's open to the general public um, through the community library. And it felt very much like uh, the breakfast club on Saturdays. I would <laughs> go to this high school library <laughs> and sit there, <laughs> cut up magazines and books and collage, and um, it, was, it was just so much fun. So that that kind of started growing out of that one day a week collage at the library. I thought, huh, well, I'm going to start, you know, collecting books and supplies. Um, it started at my dining room table, of course, immediately covered with, with books and, um, and magazines and scissors and glue. And then I took over, we had a shed in the backyard that I, that I kind of claimed, like I want a studio space. So um, that's actually where I'm sitting right now. I, took over that space and set up some bookshelves and a couple work tables. And this is where I do most of my making. I love it. So did, and you started sharing that on, on social media, right? Your pages? Yeah, I started sharing. Um, I kind of opened up that, well, the hundred day project that I was doing, the, this, the blackout poetry. Um, I thought, well, if, if anybody else wants to join in, it might be kind of fun. So I had a couple people join in, not necessarily for the whole hundred days, but, um, you know, got, 
got a couple people into blackout poetry and I, um, I think I did a couple community events. So one of them was, I just invited a whole bunch of friends to a local coffee shop. And cause I had a friend actually visiting from New York of an Instagram friend who became a real life friend and she was out visiting. So I'm like, well, let's get together. And we had a group of, I think there were about eight of us and we sat there for a couple hours one Friday afternoon and, and made blackout poetry and shared it. And it was so much fun. And then uh, there was a local, I guess they call them co-ops here in the town that I live in where just basically they shut down the street and bring in a whole bunch of different vendors um, and food trucks and, and musicians. And so I, like the day before one of those was going to happen, I contacted the woman who was in charge and said, Hey, can I set up a blackout poetry table? She's like, great, do it. So I, I did, I got a pop-up from a friend and put a little table and chairs and stack of books and Sharpies. And I sat there and made blackout poetry with like strangers. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Oh, I love it. And for, for people who are listening that don't know, like, so L Luna, she did this talk um, called the Crossroads. Let's see, let me get, make sure I get it right. The name of it, um, the Crossroads of Should and Must. Uh, and she did this talk and then eventually it made a book, it made a book out of it. And it was really profound in my early recovery, reading that book and just realizing like there was this, this crossroad that I was at. And did right. she and was like, Oh, go ahead. And she started the hundred day project. Correct. She's the founder. Right. Of, and, and now she um, co-hosts or does it co-founded or she's the founder. And then Lindsay Jean Thompson um, helps her. She's out of San Francisco and she um, kind of does a project with her. But yeah, if, if our Unruffleds are doing it, we have a hashtag for it called Unruffled 100. Is it that Unruffled 100? I think it's just think Unruffled 100. it's just 100. Unruffled 100, yes. Yeah. And so those, I did a few. I think right when I met you, Sandra, I had done one or two. And we talked about this a little bit um, recently. And it's a great way to do something and try your hand at it. And if you don't get all the way through the project, no, there's no bosses. <laughs> there's no police. Right. There's no penalty, that penalty if you don't make it through. I have not, I have yet to make it through all the way to hundred days with any of my projects, but you know, everyone that I've attempted even has, you know, I picked back up again. Yeah. Well, it's a fun way, like what, what Molly is saying, like, it's a fun way to like commit to have an accountability project with yourself and yeah, if you need to opt out or life happens or life gets in the way, you can always jump back into it. And you can start at any point, like, like what you're saying, Molly, you don't have to start on April 7th, like everybody else did right, this year, like right. whatever point. And I think it just is a huge kickstart or a jump start to creativity, mm -hmm. you know, if you're wanting that in your life. Um, okay. So you did the blackout poetry. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, you sent me one. Uh, Thank you very much. Yes, I loved it. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, that kind of that kind of morph. That was an interesting project, and I think here's where the like that was my first time doing 100 days committed to you know a creative project. But uh, so to look at the the difference between like the very first uh, blackout poetry I did while on vacation right before I met you. Um, where basically I just took a ballpoint pen. It was what I had there where we were staying and scribbled out, you know, words. Um, and to look at that compared to like the very last one towards the end. Um, well, maybe the very last one I started getting bored with the project. So let's say like day 70 to 80. Um, I was really surprised what, what came out and kind of the skills that I uncovered that I wouldn't have known that I had. 
And what so were that, those? And what uh, just draw like the ability to 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 draw a picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I I I guess I didn't know I could draw that way. So and not, you know, not to say that they're earth shattering drawings by any means, but I just I didn't know I had that in me. So I think that is the benefit of like a hundred day disciplined project to just show up every day and do the work. Um, it, it's just great practice. It's like, it's a, any kind of training you're going to do. You're going to get better. Like progress is inevitable. You're going to get better. Well, so you're not trained as an artist or did you, or are you? No, nope. Right. I, um, you know, I took a couple art classes in high school. It was like my favorite subject in high school, I would say was, you know, my art class. I love my art teacher, but um, but after that, no, no training. Yeah. I'm looking and seeing how you did these flowers and you did a dragon and you did, you know, the pages just started morphing. Yeah. With your, what did you use a Sharpie for them? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you can just see graphically what you're drawn to obviously. And I, I'm drawn to that, that kind of positive negative and your yes. flowers on there too. They're beautiful. Did you make a hashtag for that project for your own hashtag or did you, were you just part of others? Uh, I think I just, I think I did a hundred days of blackout poetry. And then on my Instagram, I created, cause I, I don't think I shared them all as posts. I shared them every day as, uh, as a story. So okay. I just captured those. Um, so they're in, I don't can in the stories. Yeah. <laughs> There's a collection of the hundred, hundred days of blackout poetry. I love it. I love this one that you did. It says, um, the intersection of my interests, my daughter's coloring book, a used book found at the Catholic thrift store for a quarter, which has a history I'm curious to learn more about. This was on day 45 of your hundred days of blackout poetry. And so this is the poem that you made. Today's poem reads, a master of taking ownership of her life. Subdue it. Knowing what is our job and what isn't knowing what things are and what aren't problems. Say no, set boundaries with people. And then you wrote people, including yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were saying a lot with these, you weren't just like picking a couple words and making a cute little thing. Like you seem to have a message with a lot of your work. Um, uh, yeah. Is that by design? I, I think it's, um, I think it's subconscious. I, I definitely have things I want to say, but I don't always know how to say them. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's communication, right? It's, uh, it's hard to say the big things. Um, and so I find that I can say, I can say the big things. I can broach those, those topics that are maybe, um, you know, maybe not taboo, but you know, things you're not supposed to talk about in polite conversation. Mm-hmm. I can, I can approach them through art in a way I can't through conversation. Mm. Mm. And I love going back to what you said about the evolution. I love, cause I didn't notice that you had those pinned up on the top of your, or in the stories there on your Instagram page. But um, yes, the evolution from where you started to where you ended is so cool. I love Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. So then what morphed from there, Molly? Because I, I'm so drawn to your work. Um, I'm just yeah, physically looking at your Instagram feed now. It seems like you added some collage to some images. Um, yeah, I really, I really got, uh, say, addicted to collage. <laughs> right. That was, 
Um, my sister-in-law, who, whom you met, who I was on vacation with that uh, over the summer, she's mm-hmm. like, you get into something and you just go all the way in. And I don't know that I would know that about myself if she hadn't pointed that out. But, um, mm-hmm. but I, looking back over the years, like, oh yeah, that is my pattern. Um, so with the collage, yeah, I, I, I collage every day. Oh, I would say almost every day. Um, sometimes I spend hours a day. Sometimes I only have 10 minutes to spend on it. But um, once again, it's, it's that place, especially right now, it's a place where I can explore the big feelings, especially about what's happening, um, you know, with coronavirus and with the economy and all these things. Like I, it's so hard for me to express in words all of the varying emotions I have about it. But with collage, um, it just lends itself so well to, to combining two very separate ideas into one. Yeah, you seem masterful at that, Molly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, and I think when you started doing the collage with some words, you sent me a really beautiful piece about, um, had older women on it. And it was talking about sex because you and I had a little chat about sex. Yeah. Um, as you do with strangers that you meet. For yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I always want to go, I always want to go to those topics, right? I don't, you know, find yeah. whatever. You could talk about the weather. You could talk about the last movie you saw. What, you know, yeah. but I want, I just want to go deep. Yeah. So my artwork gives me a way not only to do that for myself, to go deep into what I'm thinking, but also it gives me a way to, to do that with other people, like what we're doing right now, essentially, or um, I'll have friends who I don't even know really look at my Instagram page, but when I see them in person, they'll go, oh, let's talk about, let's talk about that piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you talk about patriarchy and a lot of the things you were doing with images of women and... Um even like there's one with the whisk that you have the, the mother and daughter kind of oh, in, yes. in the whisk and the broken <laughs> eggs and the measuring spoons, you know, and you have, you, and then you do your writing and you have something to say about it, which makes it so interesting. I'm not just looking at an image. I'm looking at a story and your opinion and your, and your viewpoint on something, which I appreciate. Now, Thank did you. you intentionally intend to use Instagram to replace blogging or did it just kind of organically happen that way? I think it just organically happened um, with the blogging. Like one of the main reasons I stopped blogging was because my kids reached a certain age where they, they really didn't want me taking their picture anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or writing about them, which, which I totally understand. Right. Like when they were young and I have to say like blogging was a lifesaver for me, especially when we started homeschooling because, um, I had no idea how isolating that would be. I had this kind of fantasy that when I started homeschooling, it would open me up to all these other cool homeschooling families. And, um, you know, we'd join forces. It became a co-op. I don't know what I thought, but that was not what happened. I found myself at home alone with kids all day and not really making any great um, connections like I thought would happen. Um, And so that drove me, of course, online to, uh, you know, as one Googles their problems. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All the answers. (laughs) That's right. Google has the answers. And that's just like the random way that I found homeschooling blogs. And at the time, there was a thing called the unschooling blog ring. I think that was uh, what it was. And Soul Mama was part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, she might've even been like a founder of that, but 
you would just basically click on that little icon at the bottom of somebody's blog and it would take you to the next blog and the next one. And um, that was, that was a really incredible discovery for me. I ended up creating the community that I, that I desired um, through just clicking on blogs, finding, you know, people that like their, you know, their images and words, their aesthetic resonated with me, um, leaving a comment and then, and then the back and forth would start. And so I actually made a lot of real life friends through, through that, like people I, you know, meet in real life and, and talk with on a regular basis. It was all through, it was all through that, mm-hmm. that um, blog connection. Yeah, I, I found like that, yeah, leaving a comment back in the day was like leaving a comment now on, on Instagram. And uh, right, you can make that so connection. It's, yeah, it's not. I I noticed with the Instagram, it's it's not quite the same. But a lot of us who used to blog have have now rediscovered you know each other through Instagram. Mm-hmm. So we've carried carried forward some of those um, you know like pen pal relationships almost. Um, but yeah, it is different than blogging, and I I sometimes think about returning to that, but I don't even. I, I don't hardly ever go to blogs anymore. So I don't, I don't know that they're a thing. Right. Right. Yeah. It's more a, like a diary for me or a, a way that to keep memories and milestones and things. Um, that's kind of, but yeah, I have not been drawn to doing it as much anymore because of all of these other ways that we um, share things now and find people. And I was always looking for connection, I think. Um, and I also do like to document my life and to have proof of things. So um, right. that's what I kind of used it for. Um, so can you tell us, uh, as things were morphing for you and changing, you have your studio, which is adorable, by the way. Oh, thanks. And you created and carved out a space for yourself. You're, you know, you're, you um, clearly have a little bit of a collection of National Geographics, which is making me a little bit jealous when I look at well, your picture. <laughs> I was so jealous of your stack when, when you moved into your studio. I think I even sent you a message about that. Like, oh my gosh, all those, you know, that yellow spine yes. of those magazines is just so, there's something so attractive about that to me. And, and part of it is because when I was growing up, my grandma had stacks and stacks and stacks of National Geographics at her house. So I think that takes me back. Um, as does collage, collage, you know, cutting and pasting definitely takes me back to that childhood. What, what do you, I always ask this cause I have a thing about, um, um, adhesives. What glue is your preferred glue for collaging? Oh, I, I have the same problems that you have with okay. Elmer's glue or the school glue. It's like, yeah. um, it just, it falls apart, which sometimes is good. Sometimes I'm like, oh good, I can take this piece off and, and move it somewhere else. But I think I'm going to have to order that glue you keep talking about. Yeah, the Pritt stick. Yes. But a teacher sent me a note the last time they listened to the podcast. And gosh, I did not save it anywhere that I wish I would have. But she said, hey, that Elmer's glue that you're talking about, yes, that's not good. But there is a version of the Elmer's glue that is made for teaching and collaging and some things that you like poster boards that is good. And now I can't, I got to find the message because I don't know what it is. But I was like, so far I have not had any luck with that. But that's the, that's, so what do you use since you don't have the pitstick? What is your preferred go-to now? Um, I still use the Elmer school glue uh, most of the time. Sometimes I don't, to be quite honest, some of my pieces are not even glued in place. I just arrange them on, you know, like I bought a whole bunch of, like a whole pack of 12 by 12 scrapbooking papers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will just arrange them 
And then, I don't know, there's something about the finality of gluing things down. I'm not always ready to commit Hmm. to the piece. Um, And maybe that's a metaphor. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But there's, to me, there's just such different steps in collaging. There's, you know, like there's the, the finding of the images Uh and then there's the cutting out of the images and then there's the placing and then gluing them in places is just like a whole, whole other step that I'm not always I get that because it, yeah, it just keeps it more fluid. Right. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then you don't have to like store all the finished or whatever finished pieces that you have as well. I mean, right. What do you do with all this? Because you do a lot of collage. So yeah. What do you, what would you do with all of those? Yeah. I I don't know. Cut them, recut them up or now do you, pre-cut things and do you have a storage system for all your images and words and all of that or do you just kind of sit down and cut and make as you go or whatever inspires like tickles your fancy that day mostly it's um mostly as I make as I go um I'll just start flipping through magazines or books and sometimes I have a vision but most of the time not it's just I'll, I'll find something that strikes me and then and then the idea just kind of organically pops into my mind what what to do with that. So, I mean, sometimes the pieces are I'll cut out, let's say, a, a person, and then I'll flip through pages of a magazine or a book and just put them in different scenarios. Like, nope, nope, nope. Oh, yes, this is the one. Got it. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, so I, I was reading, um, following up on you, and that you watched Rob Bell's Resurrection Sermon this past yes. weekend. <laughs> I did yes. too. I got off a call with the Unruffleds and I on Sunday and I jumped to find him doing that live. Um, I found it very moving. I guess I don't know a lot about resurrection, but it was profound. Um, I listened to it last year and the year before, but I didn't remember a thing from it. Um, I know he probably mixes it up, but can you share about your one, your new 100 day project, which is mm-hmm. 100 days of masks? Yes. 100 days of masks. Um, because and then how that course, tied in with Rob Bell, but yes. Yes. <laughs> I'll see if I can remember how it ties in. Like everything eventually ties in together. But um, uh, I'll just to be honest, I have some really big, like big feelings. The only way I can describe, you know, capital B, capital F, um, big feelings about wearing masks. Uh, on one hand, I think, yes, this is a solution. They're, you know, they're going to keep us safe and other people safe. It's, you know, public health, from a public health perspective, they are a great solution. Um, but I put one on last week to go to the grocery store and I just, let, I had a hard time breathing. Like I just couldn't catch a full breath and I had to be really intentional about drawing in the breath and um, I was feeling claustrophobic. And, and of course, as soon as I put on a mask and I looked in the mirror, I thought, oh, I look like the girl from A Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh no, this is you know, this is the beginning of the end. You know, this is me losing my voice. This is people being silenced. You know, so the the symbol of the mask um, concerns me, and so I was I was actually waffling about the hundred day project. I had a different idea in mind that I knew was going to be too involved. I knew it was going to take too much time every day. I was thinking about doing um, basically 100 days of exploring archetypes. And you can't do that five or 10 minutes a day. 
or, you know, cause that's kind of the guidelines for you do something, you know, that you can spend a small amount of time on every day in order to, to be successful with a hundred day project. Um, and so I was on a walk with my dog probably. And I thought, Oh, a hundred days of masks. I can use this to explore my feelings about wearing a mask and the symbol of them. So that just, it kind of happened like the day before the hundred day project started. I decided to go with that. Um, and I've done some mask pieces already. So I was, I was already like, okay, I'm primed. I, I kind of have an idea. Um, some of the pieces so far have just been the little half mask, you know, just a covering over the mouth and the nose. Um, and then I had to expand my, my definition for the project to include full face masks also. Hmm. Or sim- mask, are you like m- m- mask is metaphor or symbolism? Yeah, I can see that there's all probably yeah. all sorts of ways you can go. Right. So what, what's behind, what's behind the mask. So as I'm exploring my feelings about, you know, what's behind the wearing of a mask, I'm also exploring, you know, the idea that we all, we all wear different masks, um, on a regular basis (laughs) Sure. to to conceal. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about the mask too, especially as I'm like entrenched in making masks right now. Right. And it's all said and done. I think I will have made about 200 masks, but, um, yeah, it's given me (laughs) lots of time to think about the mask as well. And I, I have some, you know, ideas of course, and opinions as well. One being, I want to choose to wear a mask because I, when I think it's the right thing to do, but I do not like to be told what to do. Um, so there's where my personality shines. (laughs) (laughs) I can totally relate. (laughs) Yeah. You're you're not alone with that. Yeah. It does feel a little handmaid's tale going to the grocery store and the six feet apart and the whole, like it really, you know, under his eye and all the business, you know, it feels right. It does feel a little bit. I mean, I know that's, well, I don't know anything really, but, um, but yes, I feel like being publicly shamed if I wasn't wearing one. I went to the store the other day and I had a handkerchief with me, but I was like, do I, do I need it? I don't know. I don't know if, and I, yeah, I immediately had to put it on because I was going to be publicly shamed if I did not put that on. Right. <laughs> no. So I was like, okay, but I couldn't breathe either. And it made me hurry up and get the heck out of there. And I hated it. Yeah. Hated it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was that. Oh. Yeah. On, on the other end of the spectrum, when I, um, you know, relating masks to, to media and, you know, to, to the handmaid's tale. The other, the other side of that coin is, um, I got really into the Watchmen. Did you, did either of you watch Mm -mm. the Watchmen on, um, I think it was on HBO at the end of last year, a series. And I kind of geeked out on it to be quite honest. And then I actually got the comic book that, you know, was written, I think in the nineties. And I, I read the comic book and I'm kind of a Watchmen fan now. And there's also a lot of masks involved in that show, but in a very different way. So um, rather than a symbol of conformity, it's a symbol of um, vigilantes. Mm. And so it's, that's something else I'll be exploring during this hundred, hundred days that, you know, it can go either way. It can, it can give you anonymity to, you know, to carry out your business um, or it can strip you of 
you know, your autonomy. So I'll be exploring that. I love it. I love how you go about your work, Molly. And I love that you're sharing it publicly. And I'm loving that I get to see that, you know, when I want to go take a look over at your feed, I can just go peruse through and be inspired too. It's really great. Um, how, how can our listeners um, find you on Instagram? Um, I'm at Molly D Dunham. Okay. And so we're at the part of the show where you're going to share some tools with our listeners. Our unruffled toolbox is three tools, whether the creative tools or sobriety related tools, like whatever, or they can be both. What Great. you got today? Um, so my first tool is going to be pop music, which, <laughs> which I have to say has been saving, saving my ass um, during this pandemic, especially. I think I've always, you know, I always love music and silly dancing. I definitely have no training, um, no, no artist training, no dancing training, but I love to do it anyways. Um, and so I turn on some happy music and, you know, instead of pouring a beer at five o'clock when I make dinner, I, I put on some happy music and uh, dance while I'm making dinner. Oh, I like that. Love do it. you have, do you have like a Spotify or how do you listen to your music? Uh, yeah, either, you know, whichever app I happen to click on Spotify or Amazon music. Okay. And sometimes it's, you know, I just go straight to YouTube. If there's a song in my head that I want to listen to, um, I go straight and play it. Yeah. That's been good medicine over here too. Good. And I know Sandra has been using it every day too. Right. Right. I've had to pa- take a pause on the, my dance videos and I miss them very miss, much right now. I miss them. I know. <laughs> Your fans are missing them. Yes. I know that. I know. <laughs> that is a great public service. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you. I will yeah. definitely be returning to it once <laughs> I get out from underneath this, um, mask making project okay yeah. <laughs> anyway All moving right. on <laughs> what's your yes. second item um I, my second tool would be the uh the wild unknown archetype cards or the deck yeah. i think you both have talked about that um and i've heard about it on on this podcast before but those for me um have been an invitation to to think um, mythologically, I would say. So I, um, I choose one, not, not every single day, but I try to look at a different card every, almost every day. And then I go deeper with, uh, the recommendations from the guidebook. Um, and that has, that has taken me some interesting places lately with art and poetry. Um, there was one recently where she, I can't remember which card it was, but, um, the guidebook recommended a poem read by Robert Bly. And I was able to find a talk by Robert Bly uh, called The Educated Heart. It's a two, two part, uh, it's on YouTube. And anyways, that, that was kind of a great thing. I think it was one day, maybe about a week or two. It was just what I needed that day to, mm. to go a little bit deeper, to, uh, to think metaphorically, Maybe, you know, I get a little more spiritual, which has been difficult for me lately because I'm very much on the surface of things as we all are with, you know, paying attention to the news or just taking care of, you know, everyday chores that are a little bit more difficult because of, um, you know, isolation. Uh, so that's, that's been a real gift. 
Are you now? Are those the round? So two questions. Yes. Are those the round cards that that are? Yes. Seen? Okay. They're the round cards, and you know, for me, they're they're just visually. I love them because they combine all of my favorite elements, which are collage, watercolor, and um, line drawing. Mm, right. Yeah, they're beautiful. They yeah, feel- they are pretty. You have those, Tammy, right? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I wrap them up in a silk scarf that you gave me, Sandra. Oh yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like it's like they're getting hugged by you every day. Oh well, <laughs> yes. Our cards do like silk. They do. Um, so, other question: Are you a Joseph Campbell fan? Have you? Yes. Joseph Campbell, your all your life. Yes. Yeah. Same. <laughs> You know, and Rob, it's funny because one of the Robert Bly videos led me to a Joseph Campbell video. I think it was talking about the shadow self and dreams. And I found it so interesting because he said in this, this short talk, Joseph Campbell said, you know, a woman came up to him at one of his speaking events and wanted to tell him about one of her dreams. And he's like, I hate listening to other people's dreams. I do too. <laughs> I do too. I, I'm so in agreement with you, Joseph Campbell. I do as well. <laughs> that is so funny because I have to tell you, one of my favorite things is listening to people's dreams. Really? <laughs> I can't suffer it. I cannot. I'm just like, get to the punchline. Seriously. Oh, is funny. there a punchline? Get to it. Oh my God. That is so funny. <laughs> that is funny. And what, you know, one of the great things about, um, you know, this this period that we're living through right now is like my kids and, and my husband, like everybody wakes up in the morning and they tell me their dreams and I'm like, I'm in heaven. I just <laughs> love it. <laughs> I love it. That's great. <laughs> okay. So what's your third thing? I am blanking. Did I, did I oh, tell you my three things? You did. Do you want me to prompt you? Okay. Yes, please. Um, some friends who can jump into the <gasps> yes. deep end without small talk. There we go. So that, that kind of uh, brings us back to the Rob Bell Easter, uh, the resurrection sermon he did the other day. And uh, so my third tool would be friends who, yeah, friends who can go deep, you know, who can talk about the deep stuff without, um, you know, without dwelling too much on the surface. So I have a few friends that are, are lifelines right now that we can just send out a text, like, well, the, the Rob Bell thing, for example, my friend said, Rob Bell's giving a sermon at 10 and we all jumped on, listened, and then we're able to discuss it afterwards. So uh, it's really a blessing for me to have those people who are, who can talk about those big things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think there's something, I don't know if you noticed this Molly or not when you stopped drinking, but when I, when I stopped drinking, I realized I just didn't have the capacity for small talk. I'm learning to be a little more gracious now, but for a long time, because I was hanging on so tight to sobriety, I I wanted to go deep with everyone. <laughs> and I realized right. not, not everybody can do that. And right. as one of our friends, I've been using this analogy lately, we had a, we have one of our former guests, Sasha Corellis, talked about how we're like wizards and that the rest of the world, the non-drinkers are like muggles and, or the the drinkers, I'm sorry, not the non-drinkers, the drinkers are like, or, or just regular people are the muggles and they can't quite, there's, there's just a little bit of a disconnection. You know, they don't share our wizardry, I guess. <laughs> and so when I removed alcohol, I thought I wanted to go deep with the friends that I used to drink with and it just wasn't possible. Um, right. Not, not that it was never going to be possible, but at that point in time, I couldn't get what I needed. So I get what you're saying. It's like the small talk, um, 
um, it's a, it's, it's a, it was annoying to me for a long time. Although in this little quarantine, small talk's been okay. Right. <laughs> I agree. Right with the neighbors. It's been okay. <laughs> you know, just I agree. chatting I... with people walking by their, with their dog or something. Yeah. It's been, it's been welcome actually. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think for me it's just uh, being able to make room for all of the things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Molly, for mm. coming on. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and I'm sure our listeners—we have a lot of our listeners. I'm sure they're going to love hearing uh, a little bit more about you and your story and about your work that you're doing right now because I think it's beautiful. Great, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much. And I'll remember that. Uh, what, I forgot about the 100. Uh, hashtag you have for the unruffled so i'll start using that today oh great yeah use it it has it has um what did i say over a thousand yeah over a thousand um posts i guess with the hashtag so it's been a couple of years now that yeah that that, um listeners have been using it so yeah and if if anybody's listening if they follow that hashtag you'll get to see when anybody from our group posts their projects I didn't know for a while that you could do that on Instagram because I was a little bit late to the party on that, but you can follow <laughs> hashtags, which I am. Right. So. I'm a little slow. That's all right. <laughs> Thanks so much, Molly. I hope all to right, see you. All right. Thank you. Hope to see you all soon. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.